G'day, and welcome to another episode of Women's Baseball, The Inside Pitch. If you've been listening along in season four, you will know we are talking to a whole host of amazing Australian women who have each represented Australia at one of the eight World Cups held since 2004. In the first episode for the 2004 World Cup, we chatted to New South Wales' Kelly Gunn before heading to the 2006 World Cup in Taiwan for a chat with Victoria's Tarina Stokes. Recently, episode three featured WA's Rebecca Crosby. And here for episode four, the 2010 World Cup in Venezuela, we have a listen to the story of Kathy Welsh. For this special two-part episode, we chat to Kathy while she's over in the Czech Republic and we hear all about her love affair with that country, which played a massive part in stamping her ticket to that 2010 World Cup in Venezuela. That's enough spoilers from me. Over to Kathy. Okay, well, we're here. Another episode of Women's Baseball, The Inside Pitch. We are doing our series on One Cup Wonders. And we are into 2010. We're rocket firing through the World Cup. So 2010, the fourth World Cup. And on today's show, we have Kathy Welsh. G'day, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Now, one of the questions I always love to ask is where in the world are you? And it's usually always like, oh, I'm in Melbourne. No, I'm in Sydney. Where are you? I am in Bruno, Czech Republic right now. As you do. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about the Czech Republic. What are you doing over there? Um, my husband is actually coaching one of their baseball teams over here. So we've come over for six months with a family and we are living and breathing baseball for six months in the Czech Republic. That is so cool. And we will get to the Czech Republic soon because your love affair or connection with the Czech Republic goes <laughs> actually goes back a long way. It does. So I guess so you are living and breathing baseball. So, I mean, it's, it's I think you've just woken up over there. I guess baseball probably hasn't made its way in your day yet, but will it? It's coming. Ryan's coaching tonight, um, which meant it's just training, but the whole family probably end up there at some stage and he'll coach tonight. And then it's got the weekend off, but we'll be at baseball Tuesday, Wednesday night next week, and then he'll be away next weekend playing. So it's in most days of the week here at the moment. Are you playing? Uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm just, I've thrown a few bullpens though, which has been quite fun. Oh, yeah, um, come back. Ryan's determined that I haven't pitched my last game of baseball, but we'll see about that. <laughs> no, that's pretty good. So are you are, are you doing some coaching? I mean, sure, you've got some great stuff to lend to them. Uh, not over here. We're, it's been too hard. We're full on with the days that Ryan is not coaching. My son Jackson is training. Um, and so I'm taking care of Indy, my daughter, <laughs> pretty much. Um, I've done a bit of t-ball coaching back home, but here – I'm staying away from the coaching. There's a couple of girls that are playing that I would love to have helped out with because they have a Czech national team now, but they don't have a women's league. So the women sort of just slot in randomly with the men, um, but just time hasn't allowed for me to be involved and help with any of the coaching with the girls. No, that's fair enough. Well, make sure you give uh, give your business card to these players. Bring them back to Melbourne. Bring them back to our league. <laughs> try, and, try, and, try and get them to come get out. Some, get some imports back. <laughs> yeah, do some scouting. <laughs> So I want to take you back to when you started. A, a bit of a later, like like Teej, who obviously was our second guest, 2006. Bit of a late starter in baseball. Can you tell me, I guess, what led you to baseball and how old and, yeah, you were? Well, I had no knowledge of baseball in Australia 
at all, to be honest. Um, I didn't play softball, nothing like that. I was a netballer and a swimmer and dabbled in a bit of go-kart racing as well, just as you do. Uh, and then randomly um, a girl I knew gave me a call one day and said, hey, you're sporty. I need someone to fill in for my baseball team. I said, you, you what? And she said, my baseball team, we're really short. Please, can you play? And I'm like, oh, I'm studying for exams. I don't know, baseball, like really? And then she managed to, she begged me to play. I'll pick you up. I'll take you home, all this sort of stuff. I'm like, okay, all right, let's, sure. I'll come and fill in for your baseball team. And um, she took me out there, played at Ringwood. For those people in Melbourne who know Ringwood's field, it was in winter. Playing in the backfield at Ringwood, so much fun. So, so, you're, um, probably, uh, so you're probably up to ankles in mud? No, your, yeah. 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 Um, but I really enjoyed it. And I still remember, I knew I no idea about the game. Uh, to me, it was kind of like playing rounders on steroids and just give it a crack. Um, but I sort of started, I had a decent arm. I remember playing in the outfit. I took a catch and then I fielded a ball at one stage and I had to throw it in and I didn't know I was supposed to hit a cutoff. And they're all throwing for the cutoff to go home and I just do it home. And I was like, I can make that distance. Why would I throw it to you? So, <laughs> yeah, so I did that and then played the game and did like got a hit even. And um, after the game, she said, oh, you should come and play next season. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, whatever. And then just got left it. And then didn't think about it again, just had a fun day. And then next season rolls around and, I get this phone call, hey, we're signing up the team for the next season. Do you want to play? And on this day, I'd also played with one of my best friends who'd come along with me to play as well. I said to her, hey, do you want to play? She says, yep. I said, all right, sign me up. And I started playing at Panton Hill Baseball Club. The Panton Hill, Panton Hill, for anyone that doesn't know Melbourne, is in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. Unfortunately, the club doesn't exist anymore. But my memories of playing at Panton Hill in the middle of the bush of the chicken that used to just roam around the outfield because there was no fence. Like some and there'd be rabbits and all sorts of stuff. Panton yeah. Hill. So how, how old were you when you, I guess you signed up to your first league? Uh, 22. Yeah, I turned 23 in the middle of that season. You're, you've obviously shown your prowess in the outfield and with the bat, but you took a bit of a, <laughs> you a, bit of a oof, if you came down, that, came down that path, maybe you would have... Uh, I would have played less World Cups. Would have knocked us out of the outfit. Um, what what led you to pitching? Like, was it they just look at your arm and just go, "You're on the mound." Yeah, sort of, because I could throw a bit, and it was I played in different spots. I caught for a bit. It was interesting, like just because I could throw over. Yeah. Um, and you know, like early days, women's baseball, winter. No one's throwing any off-speed pitches or anything. I'm not calling games, so I'm just catching a ball and throwing it over. Um, Played third base for a bit. Decided I didn't like that because I got hit in the face with a line drive. Um, And I asked to not play third base ever again. Um, And then bounced around and then they sort of said, oh, here, have a go at pitching. And I was like, what do I do? Do I just throw the ball there? And they said, yeah, pretty much. And because I said through not stupidly hard, but relatively hard, I did all right. And, look, I had some command issues, as we all know at the start. (laughs) Um, But when I was on, I did all right. Um, And they sort of went, okay, we're going to go from here with you. And I suppose because 
I didn't have that background in softball or anything like that, the actual game of baseball didn't come naturally to me. Like I didn't automatically know what to do with the ball in the field and things like that. And to start specialising in pitching, I found very interesting and a lot easier than trying to get my head around every other position because I was thrown in so many different positions across my first couple seasons. Yeah. Um, and I went, I really like this and maybe I can have a crack at this and really see what I can do. And so I was sort of stuck with pitching and because, again, I could throw the ball flat, they yeah. left me in as a pitcher and just we worked from there. Yeah. And I remember back in those days I was playing women's winter and or and I was playing men's winter and things like that. And I remember and, – and it's it's actually one of my favourite baseball memories and it's bizarre, but – I remember a day at Panton Hill and it was against my Melbourne Uni team and I think Sam yeah. was coaching. Samantha Hamilton, who's yeah, sure. now assistant, assistant coach of the Australian team, head coach of Doncaster, and you pitched against us. Now, it's one of those stories where I think you walked you walked a few, you hit a few. I think the story that we tell now is you walked 20 and you hit 35. It wasn't great, but you're, you're, you were right. You're... You out, you were hard, you were fast, and I'll never forget. It the next day, you called Sam and said you wanted to come I to did. Doncaster, and I you did. said yes. And Sam, Sam, you, you actually told her your goal, and Sam was like, okay, "Hang on, that's the person I saw yesterday." Nope. Okay, so yeah, tell me about <laughs> tell me about what you you why you made that call to Sam, and I guess how much that changed your career. So pretty much, I played a couple seasons. I played. Winter at Pant Hill and um, summer at Melbourne. And the coach I had, great coach. Thought he was great. Mark Deeney, he was fantastic. But as someone who I believe I've been an athlete most of my life, I believe different coaches see different things. And I thought it was time for me to move on, to have different eyes on me because I just wanted to try and get to that next level. And so I thought, time for some new eyes. And I'd heard about Doncaster's reputation with Sam being the coach. Um, and knew it was a good program and it was a close program to where I lived, which was handy. And I thought it's time for me to make that move. And it was hard. Like it, those people who know who've had to go and tell a coach that you're leaving, it was a very hard decision to make. Mm. But I really wanted to try and see what I could do with baseball. And I said I thought I needed some fresh eyes and just different ways of explaining things means you pick up things differently and all that kind of stuff. So played against you guys. Walked 400, hit 48, and then decided to call Sam Hamilton and say, I want to come to your program. Um, and I knew that, you know, I wasn't going to be walking straight into the ones or anything like that, but I thought hopefully she could see some potential in what I could maybe do and take me in and help me move forward pretty much. And I did want to make the Victorian team and the Australian team. Yes, and I remember her saying that she was got off the phone and she was like, she just told me she wants to play for the Australian team. And and she was like, I love it. I, like, I love that she that, that you had that goal when you've been playing baseball for five minutes. And and you talk about the progression. You came to Doncaster, you, you, you went into the twos, you came through the ones. And in a similar, um, I guess, trajectory like me, you played in the POVs, which was the Victorian Provincial. We called them the POVs. Yep. Um, your first nationals in 2005, like mine, a few years earlier, was in the provincials. Uh, and yep. then I remember playing against you for Victoria and 
and things like that. And then you came through and made your Victorian team. So what was the change there for those first, those few years? Like you're learning your craft, like, I guess what, was it just so you were just new when you were obviously an athlete and you sort of picked it up quickly, but what do you put it down to? Um, hard work. Hard work and listening to everything that comes in um, and working out what works for me. I would never dismiss anything a coach would say to me, but if it didn't work for me, I would go to the next step of something that would work for me. Um, it was pretty much, to be honest, from a young kid, I always wanted to represent Australia in something. It was, I want to be in the Australian team for something. And I think when the first had that first go at baseball, I was like, actually, for someone who's an absolute beginner, um, I'm not horrible and maybe I, if I work hard, there's some potential, potential there. So when I made that change over to Doncaster, um, I really had it set that I wanted to be in a state team and then an Australian team. And... You know, being at Doncaster, Sam runs an amazing program and she also gets down a lot of people to help coach and things like that too. So not only do you have Sam Hamilton running the show and giving you feedback, but you have like Stephen Black coming down, Dom coming down, the Tierney's came down at one stage, like Paul Weichardt, so many people come down and help out, which means you're getting phenomenal coaching and so much amazing feedback. And they are happy to help when you pay the respect and you pay attention and you listen, which yep. I feel that we all do down there and we work hard. The whole thing down there is about hard work. And I remember, you know, training, say training started at six. I can't remember. It's been that long now. I'd be there at five. Well, I'm going to get here at five and I'm going to do extra work. And that's just what you did. And, you know, the training that started at six, the only people that got there at six are the people that couldn't get there at five because of work. Mm -hmm. And it was just that work ethic and you take it on board you work hard and, again, you listen to all the feedback you get from the coaches and you put into place what works for you. Yep. So I finally got a little bit of command. <laughs> <laughs> when And you spoke earlier about the women's winter. You just threw that fastball and you threw that hard. When did you start tinkering with some other pitches and who taught you them and, and what, what pitches did you throw outside of that hard fastball? Well, it took a long time, to be honest. I went through... My first nationals for provincial, I only threw a fastball. And I pitched wow. to New South Wales and I actually did well with only a fastball. I didn't have anything else. Um, it was amazing. Um, don't know how I got away with it. I must have actually been able to spot my fastball. I was about so, to say, you spotted it. <laughs> you must have yeah. spotted it. Um, and even my second nationals, I still really couldn't throw anything else. Um, I feel like it that the off-speed pitches, not as many people were throwing them back in those days. Like it was a lot of fastball and a few people could throw curveballs. Yeah. And over those sort of my first couple of years of nationals that developed, everyone had off-speed. And you all had to have off-speed. Of course you need to have off-speed. But I sort of developed it in my third nationals is when it sort of more came in. And um, I remember Leo working out with me and Kane had done some work with me. And I sort of only had a slurve and I was trying it with stuff, but it just – I don't think I had the confidence because I knew I could spot my fastball. So I was so worried about throwing these off-speed pitches that I couldn't throw for strikes. And I was so paranoid about not walking people. So I was like, don't throw them because if you get to spot your fastball, you're gonna be, you don't need these. But the game was evolving and I certainly did need them. Yeah. Um, 
So I just kept working hard at training and working on it. But Kane helped me a lot. Um, then Tim Ballard, he came in to help a lot. And obviously I remember Leo in one of the nationals when I was pitching, he literally was yelling out to Claire, call a curveball, throw it again, Welshie. Because <laughs> 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 then well, he used it, I didn't want to throw it. <laughs> well, if the, if the hitter knows it's coming, they're still going to actually hit it. So Exactly. And he knew that I didn't want to throw it. So unless he's yelling at me from the sideline to throw that pitch again, I would have quite happily shake off and get back and spot up a fastball again. <laughs> um, but to be honest, it wasn't really until 2009 that I got command of um, off-speed pitches. That I then I, I literally just had a fastball, and it was always a two-seam fastball, had a bit of run on occasionally, a um, curveball and my change-up. My change-up used to be my favourite pitch. And I utilised that more in the men, though, that I did in the women. Like, actually, that reminds me of the one time I pitched to you and Sam and Erin at Greensboro. This is one of my memories. So I'd been in Czech Republic and I came back and Ryan and I came down because Dom needed to see where I was at with my baseball because I'd missed half the season. And I went, when you when I left the Czech Republic, I was a player who had a fastball and a slurve. And I came back with a change-up and a curveball. And I still remember I pitched well to you girls. And, like, Ryan was catching and Dom was calling balls and strikes and stuff like that. And I remember at one time, I remember Sam turning around after swinging through another change-up and going, well, she, and getting angry. And Ryan's, Ryan reckons it's his greatest baseball memory ever. He said, you pitched against three of the best hitters in the country. And he said, they were not expecting what you did. 2007, 8, 9, you were part of the Victorian three-peat. Uh, yep. Exciting. Named to the yep. Australian squad in 2008, which first yep. obviously missed out on that 2000 World Cup, but that's just it's your stepping stone um, yep. into that squad. And then 2009. I, I, wouldn't, I didn't deserve to be in that 2008 team, even if I, I didn't have enough command of off-speed pitches and stuff. It was perfect to be in the squad. That's what yes. it was perfect for the squad. I had no business being in the team. And that, look, that's what it's about. Um, but 2009, you make the squad again, and then you yep. go over the Czech Republic. So how yep. how did this all of this start? So I'm assuming, like like me, you're married to baseball. Ryan Berg is your your husband, yep. Um, yep. who you met obviously in baseball. Tell me about the Czech Republic. So uh, we came over in 2009. Um, Ryan was coaching the same baseball team as that. Oh, sorry, was playing the same baseball team he's currently coaching. Um, and we're there for, I was there for six months and I lived at the baseball field. So over here, things run a little bit different. You don't have club rooms as such. You have pubs and maybe accommodation at the baseball field. So I lived at the baseball field and I trained my butt off nearly every day. So I had the, the advantage of, I didn't have to work. I had six months off work, lived at a field and lived and breathed baseball. And I had... Ryan was amazing. So Ryan worked with me most days and he's very good. Um, he's very calm and he's very good with the psychology of the game, which one of my massive weaknesses has been my head in the game. I, my biggest weakness is probably not believing in my ability. Um, and he helped change that a bit. And he worked with me and we had so many scenarios, like he would catch to me or he would actually hit and I would pitch to 
an L screen with a bat stuck in it as my strike zone and see where I can get it. Like, because it'd be, didn't have anyone to catch or, um, and he would go through scenarios. Okay, you're this count, Katie Gaynor's up to bat and, you know, this is the situation, what are you throwing? And he would talk me through what I'd throw and then I had to make sure I was throwing strikes and things like that and different scenarios, training every day. And then I was fortunate enough, um, there was another guy here called Rick Jarks who's actually a Philly scout. And he worked with me with my pitching as well. And then another guy called Wayne O who played for Australia in the 2000 Olympic team as a pitcher. Um, and he also worked with me. And it was just all of this amazing information coming in and little things that were just tweaking this, do this, pull here, bend here when you're doing all this stuff. And they were all so helpful and so positive and believed that I could become better and be better that I think that helped as well. Like constant training, constant help, and so many conversations. So it was conversations about, you know, the they foul it off here, it means this and this, and understanding more about being a pitcher and understanding how much you need that confidence and you're not behind if you're at this count and you really, you know, work here, throw this pitch here, and it really educated me on how to be a better pitcher and just the actual physical side of it meant that I was throwing so often and learning and tweaking that I came back with command over three pitches and had I not come here I actually don't think I would have been able to do that because I wouldn't have been able to spend the time that I needed almost to make up for the years that I never played the sport beforehand to develop that command and understanding. I completely, as again, it's like you and I have just such a similar story because in 2005, myself, Sam Hamilton and Renee Stramides went and lived in Japan. So we were over there for about, yeah, we were about there for five months with um, a college in Tokyo and five months of baseball. We we only had one day off and it was Monday. And so we Mm -hmm. were training every day. We had games on Saturday and Sunday and it was, I came back the fittest I've ever been and then that summer, Club batting titles, premierships of Doncaster. Oh, and I remember you came back with a hell of an arm. Yep. my Your arm. Your arm was already good. But then you came back, I was like, oh, my God. Check out Amy's arm. Yeah. Like, like you were saying before, I don't need a cut off. I want to go to the bleak. Um, but, yeah, yeah, Baseball Australia <laughs> Player of the Year. I went over and played. My 2006 World Cup was when I was going through the stats the other day for Teaser's episode. I was like, holy crap, Amy. And I was like, I put it down. Because we got to be ballers for, we were yep. ballers for twenty like twenty four seven. Yeah, like, and it's it, it helps you understand why these people who play at the professional level who get to do it all the time, obviously can master their craft so much because they do it all the time. But when we do it, like we play one game a week, and then we or maybe two if you play men's as well, and you train a couple times a week, it's very hard to really get those skills down to a fine art unless you add more and more in like yeah as you said it's it's those the players that play for the australian women's team who are at home playing on a saturday and playing on a tuesday and coaching sorry training on a tuesday and wednesday mm-hmm. are the ones that turn up early the ones that put yep. up put in that extra work they don't just turn up for 6 30 to 8 30 twice yep. a week absolutely 2010 comes 2010 was like it's kind of like 2010 was the moment that a, a switch was flicked in Australian women's baseball. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm adamant that 
the Australian women's team was strong because WA had finally gone, you know, we're here. And WA came out at the 2010 Nationals and them and New South Wales bumped Victoria out. We're going looking for a fourth. We'd only lost two Nationals in history. And yeah, WA came away with it. You talked about yourself. You you found that you needed to have an extra pitch or an extra couple of pitches because the batters, the hitters, we were all getting better. The pitches were getting better. So we're all making each other better. The fielders had to get better. You had three teams, and no disrespect to country New South Wales and, and Queensland, but you had three teams really pushing. And I think that's what made the 2010 team as good as it was because it was so hard. Not, again, no disrespect to any other Australian team that's been picked, mm-hmm. but it was it was bloody hard to get into. And to come out of that nationals and make that team, you, you, you knew you had it. Um, where Do you remember when you how you got the selection, mine have all sort of merged now. I really can't no, oh, Well, they had one, so absolutely. No, sorry, and that's I should rephrase. I <laughs> no, should, no. Sounds really oh, arrogant. Yeah, I, I should. Time has passed and they've merged because I'm old. That's what's more yeah. so what's happened. I do remember. I remember Dom called me. So it was the day, I'm pretty sure the emails were coming out that day. Emails, and, okay. yep, so we're in email territory then. Um, <laughs> Maybe it on, it I think they announced I think they're announcing this years on TikTok, maybe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Snapchat. <laughs> um and Dom, I was at work and Dom called me. And because I've worked a lot with Dom. Dom, he knows he's my favorite coach, and no disrespect to anyone else, but Dom has something that may me play to my best. He gets the best out of me. To me in the outfield. Yep. Scared the crap out of me half the time, but got the best out of me. <laughs> but for as much as sometimes he was yelling and screaming, he was my calming influence. He could be screaming in my face and he still calmed me down to being able to do what I need to do. Um, so he called me and the conversation started with, you weren't originally in Johnny's team. <laughs> and, and I knew this because I went to a tournament in Sydney um, remember there was that tournament, Australia Day tournament, yeah. and all the pressure's on Johnny's going to be there, you know, you've got to play well. I was terrible. Couldn't hit the side of a barn. I was back to like 2006, Cappy. And <laughs> shocking. And I went, oh, there we go. No chance of making the team now. Johnny's seen all of this and horrible. And then um, Dom says to me, but you were one of the most consistent pitchers at Nationals. So he'd sort of started with the bad and said, you weren't originally his team because he hadn't seen you pitch well, but then you're one of the most consistent um, pitchers at Nationals and we decided that we would like to put you into the team. And I don't know, I cried. I don't cry about anything. Like I might cry when I'm hangry, right? Like I'm an angry kind of crier. I'm not an emotional crier. I'm on the phone, I cry, oh, my God, Tom, thank you so much. And it was, I can still remember the, office I was in when he called and it was just the greatest moment. And then I remember I wanted to tell Ryan, but I'm like, I can't, I can't ring him from work. I would wait till tonight. So I rang my brother and told him, oh, my God, I've made this Australian baseball team. I'm so happy. And my brother's never seen me play again in baseball, but that's who I rang. <laughs> um, and then it was, it was just, it, I was so happy and almost relieved and like the hard work had paid off and all that kind of stuff. And I took that in for 24 hours 
And then I started to get scared. It was like, oh, shit, now I've got to perform. Oh, maybe you're not good enough for this. Oh. So there goes that set, that, there goes that, that, that mental side that you, and that, that did always strike me with you that you never, I still don't think you ever realized how good you were. And I think, and, I, and maybe, and maybe we all don't because we were amateur and we didn't have a lot of that help and assistance while no. we were playing. And it, it's, it is hard. And I guess I never, when it came through my goals, there was never a moment where I went, oh, you can do this. It was more just, just keep working hard. Just keep going. Just keep going. So it wasn't like, yep, now you're good enough. It was like, just keep working. And you might get that tick one day kind of thing. And even when you get that tick, it's like, well, now you're going to perform. It's almost like, ooh, I've made the team now. Do I really, like, I really want it, but do I really want it? Because I'm so scared now that am I going to perform? So it's, again, just get your head down and just keep working. Yeah, you've made the the squad and now you need to make the team. Now you need to make the roster like the, you know, you need to try and get that start or that relief. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, and it's, it's there. Uh, look, I know it's there for every player, but I feel like for a pitcher, if you don't play well, you let down everyone. Is that feeling? And it's like I do not want to let down these eighteen other girls and these coaches. You have to do well. There's no other choice, or else you're going to let everyone down. And so maybe someone else should have had your spot, kind of thing. So it's that work hard, work hard. And we did. We worked really hard after the nationals. We had about three or four months lead in and we all obviously go off to our respective states. Uh, us here in Melbourne, we did a lot of training. Obviously, Dom was one of the assistant coaches based in Melbourne. We did training various places, Doncaster, plenty of different places. Tell me about what you did specifically in the lead up to make sure that that, that spot was yours, that no one else is going to take that spot. I did a lot of training with um, Simone Wern and Shannice at Simone's, like in her parents' backyard, in the bullpen there. So, and I would go to Springdale training and train with Simone as well. She helped me a lot with my pitching. Sorry, I should have said that earlier too. Um, I did a lot of work there individually and um, that was a lot of technique sort of stuff as well. And Shannon and I would go along and work our butts off and work really hard with Simone and she would, you know, Simone, Simone gives you straight up feedback, which is fantastic. There's no beating around the bush. It's like, you need mm. to be able to do this, do it this way, and it was great. And I guess it wasn't just about, I mean, we, we were all working hard. But the other thing we have to remember, it, for us particularly in Melbourne, that we were training in June, July, or May, June, July in Melbourne, which anyone that is in yeah. Melbourne in June and July and parts of August, it sucks. It yeah. really sucks. It's wet. <laughs> Anyone that's around baseball at the moment knows just how wet the grounds are. So we're training in conditions in single-digit figures for a World Cup that was announced to be in Venezuela. We are in the Caracas pool. Um, Now, 2010 World Cup, we, again, we picked 18 on the team. We had 18 for the first three World Cups. Now, Johnny and Dom and Tim Ballard were the coaches, and they picked 18, and then I think on the eve of the World Cup, the IBAF at the time said, you have to take 20 and they're like we've picked 18 and you have to take 20 and they're like we don't we've got 18 long story short um we picked an extra couple of players but we go through the team um 
Only two one World Cup wonders in this squad. Yourself mm-hmm. and Jana Loudon. Yep. Eight deputants. <laughs> so Sinead Flanagan, uh, Bronwyn Gell, Melinda Latimer, Mindy, Jana, Talia McDonald, who, which was McDonald at the time, I think, Nat Rawlings, Taylor Welsh, and yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the remainder of the team, we actually ended up only going away with 19. Um, yep. Lauren Murphy pulled out on the eve of the championships and we literally the eve of the championships. So we only actually took 19. So the remainder of the team was Jacinda Barclay, Katie Gaynor, Samantha Hamilton, Christina Krepold, Shay Lily. I feel I'm just reading the same names every week. <laughs> Shay Lily White, <laughs> Tani Lovering, Amy McCann, Kim McMillan, Laura Needs, Brooke Shields at this World Cup and Claire Widham, who with Bronwyn Gell were the two additional players into our team. Um, and they were the, I'm just going to say they were the late call-ups. But as yeah. we will get onto as we talk about this World Cup, I'm not sure you, you could ever get more out of two late call-ups Absolutely. than what we got out of those two players. Phenomenal. Yeah. Like, like yeah. nothing, I cannot still to this day talk highly of both those players, particularly Claire Whittam, probably the best team I'd have ever played with. Um, yeah. So happy to do everything to help out oh, everyone is clear. In 50-degree heat in full catcher's gear. She Go catch another bullpen. Okay. Yep. Go to the shops and get me a drink. She would just she'd do anything. Um, yeah. Amazing. Before we get to the games, um, yep. a couple of questions, a few questions. Your yep. nickname and why? Welshy. Welsh. Pretty simple. Okay. Is there, <laughs> a, story? Is there a story to that? <laughs> yes, I was born, Kathy Welsh. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, playing number? Seven. Oh, so you, you took TG. Took TG seven. I did. Thanks, TG. Yep. <laughs> and that I still remember. So my playing number at Doncaster and the state was eight, but that was Katie Kano, so couldn't have that number. And I remember getting sent a spreadsheet with the numbers and I was like, Ryan, what do I pick? And he's like, lucky seven, of course. And I was like, oh, okay, lucky seven. So that's how I became seven. <laughs> really thought about that one. Oh, yeah. there you go. Um, pants up or pants down? Down. Down? We weren't, there was a lot. Down. 2010, there wasn't a lot of pants up. I don't think. Really I don't think either. It was, it was no. definitely a pants down and a, and a longer pant down. Definitely yeah. like. Good style, yeah. long pant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and your roommates for that World Cup? Shannas. So, oh, Shannas at the World Cup, but then at, um, where were we beforehand? North Carolina. Remember we had the training camp? Yeah, yes. I had um, Tay Welsh and Kim McMill. Remember in that hotel when we were doing the week beforehand? God, it was hot in North Carolina. If we didn't have that week in North Carolina, it would have made the World Cup even worse. Um, but before we go on to the to Venezuela, do you remember that probably heart? I'm just going to say, I don't know how many, the majority of our team, the hats weren't the right size. Oh, I heard this. We were like train drivers half of us. They were so big. <laughs> and... We all got, like it was too big for me and I wear a seven and three eight. So I've got a massive, yeah. like I'm a walking bobblehead doll. You. Yeah. 
we we ended up washing them and kept putting them in the dryer and washing them and putting them in the dryer for like two days i reckon in north carolina trying to get them it's still mine still doesn't fit yeah. i'd run for a fly ball and we'd just fly off the whole world cup and we actually, i think we ended up wearing our training hats in a couple of games it was just that's yeah i think you have your right actually yeah classic they look terrible <laughs> but then you look back at photos now i'm like i have photos of one world cup and check out that hat that i have to wear <laughs> <laughs> so we all look like yo-yos with our like on an angle one um, yeah. yeah so the world cup we go to we go to north carolina stinking hot and then we go to the world cup now yeah none of us all the other world cups would arrive we just arrived we turned up at a hotel and whatever this world cup arrival and i'll put video there is a, i did put a video on youtube and it's part of the little documentary thing that i did during COVID yep. when we we're all going crazy in melbourne in lockdown um, yep. There were like thousands of people at the airport. Next level. It was like we were actually famous. And they had our faces on these oh, like, boards. And they told us <laughs> we had to go and go, where they went, you have to go and find yourself. And it was like these yes. massive, and my head's big enough as it is. I don't need it enlarged on this <laughs> massive wooden yeah. stick. And then we had to and go and go. And chanting. And they're going, Australia, Australia. As we came in and we got flowers and a hat and we got our head on a stick. Yes. And then we got in this just absolutely, look at us. There's thousands of people. We are the toast of the town. And then guys with machine guns came and ushered onto us, us yep. into a bus and the whole situation, just the mood just changed. Yep. And to get on a road that they tell you not to be on after 9 o'clock at night. And it was like 11 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> Fun times. I've got lots of that vision. It's just like we're going about 120 kilometers now in the bus and those dudes on their green bikes just rolling, stopping people. No stopping the traffic lights or anything, just roll through everywhere. Now, we could keep rolling in this episode, but it a lot kind of happened at the 2010 World Cup, so we're going to put this across two parts. So you have to tune in and hear all about the result of the Australian women's team and just what unfolded at one of the most memorable World Cups in the history of women's baseball. See you next episode.